and welcome to episode 40 of The Postcast, our final episode for 2017. Cassie, I have to say this has been a tremendous amount of fun with being with you and having some great guests throughout the entire year. So uh, thank you for, for being the, the co-pilot on this Postcast plane. And I applaud you as well. A little golf clap in the background here. Golf so clap, this has golf been a Golf clap, yeah. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad we started this. Yeah, definitely. We can't wait to come back in 2018. We're going to have some cool new stuff ready for you guys. So it uh, should be awesome. That brings me to the my last point. Thank you to everyone who listened and, and all the guests who came on the show. Ron Green Jr., Steve Eubanks, John Steinbrader were particularly awesome. They each came on a, a few times. So um, huge help to, to have all of these uh, awesome guests come on and give us some of their time and we, uh, we definitely learned a lot. It was, uh, it was a cool year. That, that's for sure. Learned, learned a lot is a good little <laughs> quote you, you know, we, you did there. So yeah, I, I agree with you, but this has been a lot of fun. And, um, like you said, thank you to all the guests. It, it was incredible. And we do have one more show before you, before we uh, return in January. Today, we're talking with Jim Nugent, the founder and publisher of Global Golf Post. As we delve into the all amateur team selections for the post, it's the fifth annual year we're doing this. Uh, we're also honoring the female and men male uh, amateur of the year, so it should be pretty awesome. You can check everything out in this Monday's issue of the magazine, and you can listen to all the details right now as we talk with the man who has made all this possible, Jim Nugent. And now for our final guest of 2017, it's only fitting that we welcome on Global Golf Post founder and publisher Jim Nugent back onto the show. Nuge, thanks for joining us. Good to be on. Thank you for having me today. No problem, Nuge. But before we get started, Sean and I both wanted to say congratulations for being this year's Digger Smith Award recipient for your outstanding work with the AJGA. We are very proud of you here at The Post. You're here. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, a surprising honor, um, and it's an honor that uh, uh, is is almost overwhelming. I'm, I'm really quite taken aback by it. Um, serving the AJGA has been one of the joys of my life, and I don't need the a Digger Smith Award to uh, validate it or to do anything other than anything at all, really. It's just a great honor to serve the AJGA. And uh, as I said in my acceptance speech the other night, I hope I've been able to make a small dent in this organization, and I hope I'm able to continue to for many years to come. A part of that devotion to the game of golf is uh, is very evident with the post and its support of amateur golf. And today we're here to talk about the all amateur team selections. It's the the fifth year the post has put together these teams. How did this start, and and why is it important to honor these men and women? Um, a couple of us were kind of just brainstorming several years ago about this time of year when uh, in college football you start to see announcements of uh, all American teams. And we thought to ourselves, well, maybe we could create uh, an all-amateur team. And in conjunction of that, with that, we thought maybe we ought to name uh, the male and female Amateur of the Year Award. Uh, seemed to be a vacuum, seemed to be an opportunity, but seemed to be another way for us to signal to the world of golf just how committed we are to supporting the amateur game around the world. And so with our last issue of the year, um, we're going to uh, uh, announce uh, first team, second team, third team, or honorable mention, I should say, amateurs for men and women at the uh, amateur level, at the mid-amateur level, and at the senior amateur level. 
Um, tell us a little bit about the process of picking the team. Is it hard to determine the best players from all over the world? It is. Um, you, you, yes, for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, um, the game is, is, is not nearly as well developed in certain parts of the world. Um, in the UK, for example, there isn't really much of a mid-amateur game, or for that matter, a senior amateur game. Um, the opportunities for senior women are severely limited as well. Uh, and that it's very difficult to compare players head to head when they live so far away. You know, uh, we, we live here in America and we have a pretty good idea who the good players are in North America. We can get a handle on some of the better players in the UK, but you know, Australia, New Zealand has a lot of really good players and it's hard to compare them with, uh, players in, in North America because they don't compete against each other outside of the, uh, uh, amateur level at the amateur level, the elite amateur level, it's, it's, it's much easier because you have the world amateur golf rankings and you have so much more international competition. Uh, you see lots of international kids coming to play college golf in America. And, and so the comparisons there are, are easier. I think our amateur selections are the easiest. I think our mid amateur and senior amateur are, are much more difficult than uh, the amateur. Nuge, the, uh, the first all-amateur team was announced back in 2013, and it had 178 players from 25 countries, and now it's the fifth year. And I don't think it's a coincidence that both of those numbers have increased in the years that have followed. There's going to be over 200 players uh, honored this year from you know close to around 30 countries. Explain to our listeners some of the factors at play here for the global development of the amateur game. Well, it has expanded because we've become a little bit more knowledgeable about how the amateur game is played in, in certain parts of the world that, that, that we weren't familiar with. And so the number kind of grows a, a little bit each year. Uh, we use the World Amateur Golf Rankings for uh, men and women amateurs. Uh, and then for mid-amateurs and senior amateurs, um, we really have to scour the Internet uh, looking for, for results from uh, golf bodies, be it uh, the USGA, the RNA, Golf Australia, Golf Canada, the European Golf Association. And, uh, and, and sometimes those, that information is not readily available. Uh, so an awful lot of manpower, an awful lot of man hours go into this. And we're not going to tell you that this is the absolute ranking. There's certainly some subjectivity in it, and we're certainly capable of making a mistake or leaving somebody out. But I th think it's a fairly good representation of many of the best amateur players in the game today. Focusing on the two amateurs of the year that have been selected, we'll start with uh, mid-amateur Stuart Hagestad. What a huge moment it was when he made the cut at the Masters. What are his plans for the future in the amateur game? Do you know that? I do know. Uh, I've gotten to know Stu very well. And, you know, you could, you could safely observe that he locked up our amateur, male amateur of the year award when he uh, made the cut at Augusta National. But he also qualified for the U.S. Open and then went on to play in the Walker Cup. Uh, he has applied to business school. He's moved back to uh, uh, California where he grew up. Uh, and right now he has uh, – every indication is that he's going to be a career amateur. And, and because of 
his mini amateur championship in 2016 because of the Masters uh, celebration. Uh, there are going to be doors open to him for the rest of his life. He's going to have a tremendous opportunity to play in, in most, if not all, of the major amateur events across the United States really for uh, the, the rest of his life. But uh, turning professional is is not uh, something that's on his uh, menu at this moment in time, and I don't expect that to change. What separates him from, from other mid-amateurs? I mean, you mentioned before that he uh, doesn't really have some of the other, um, you know, burdens that some of the other mid-amateurs tend to have. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he is a mid-amateur, but he's different than all the rest of the guys for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's only 25 years old, um, so he's younger. He's, he's only a couple of years removed from school. Second of all, after he won the U.S. mid-amateur in 16, he was able to take a leave of absence for his, from his job to focus exclusively on, on, on his golf game. Uh, he's single. He doesn't have a family to worry about. He obviously he wasn't working. You know, most mid amateurs are trying to balance uh, uh, their family, uh, their career, and their golf game. So they've got three golf balls up in the air. They're trying to juggle. Stewart had just one, and uh, he maximized maximized his opportunity to be sure. Moving to the other side, uh, Leona McGuire is the female amateur of the year. She's been the top amateur in the world on the on the women's side for 121 consecutive weeks. Uh, she won the British Ladies Amateur Championship this past June and, of course, has been a dominant force at Duke uh, and quite intelligent, we may add, a three-time All-ACC academic team uh, member for uh, for the past few years. What can you say about Leona's run in the amateur game? Well, you, you could say that we're late uh, in a sense. This is almost a career achievement award uh, in, in what's likely to be her final year of, of amateur golf. Um, uh, an Irish uh, lass who's played well uh, in both America and uh, in Ireland and the UK for a very, very long time. Uh, gone to Duke, and you know, you, Duke's one of those places where you actually have to go to class. <laughs> uh, in addition to finding time to hone your golf game, so she's getting it done both in the uh, classroom and on the golf course, and has been for a while. So, as I said, you could almost say that this is a a career achievement award uh, in her in her situation. Sean and I would now like to talk about Mary Jane Heestand, who made an appearance in the U.S. Women's Mid-Am Final at the young age of 58. Did anyone see her getting that far in the championship, and will she be on a lot of people's radar next year? I don't think she saw herself advancing <laughs> that far, uh, although she certainly is a talented player has been uh, a talented uh, woman competitor in, in the states for a long time um, but you know the to, at 58 to go as deep as she did uh, in that tournament that you know features a uh, woman that uh, uh, might be just half her age almost really quite a remarkable uh, achievement one of the great stories in amateur golf unfortunately it kind of got lost uh, because it came late in the year and the Women's mid-amateur had to move the dates and location because of the, the hurricanes in Florida. But really a, an outstanding performance by a, a, a KG veteran who's accomplished a lot in, in amateur golf in her time. I think Kelsey Chug, who won, who's 26, year old, 26 years old, uh, is young enough to, to be her daughter uh, pretty much. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if you double that 26, she's 52, and that's yeah. still six, six years younger than Mary Jane, so absolutely. <laughs> Nuj, one of the observations I had uh, from looking at the teams, particularly on the men's side, these young college kids, they aren't really afraid to go out on the PGA Tour and, and play well, whether it be Braden Thornberry having a top five finish in Memphis or Joaquin Neiman making the cut in West Virginia. And uh, there are several others who, who did this. It feels like they are just kind of fearless when they get these opportunities, which feels uh, a little bit different than in the past. You know, you're absolutely right. And, and you're seeing it uh, on tour with young kids like Jordan Spieth and, and Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley, uh, among others. Um, I've, I've observed from time to time that this is the Tiger generation. Uh, and what I mean by that is when, when Tiger was growing up as a kid, he had Jack Nicklaus's poster over his bed. Uh, this generation had Tiger's poster over their beds. And they watched him play. Uh, they, they grew up watching him on television. And, and they took from him uh, that fearlessness, uh, the fitness, to be sure, and uh, an air of confidence that uh, age is, is something that uh, doesn't matter. Your golf ball doesn't know or care how old you are. And so these kids are coming out with uh, 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 ex- high expectations for themselves. And as we're seeing with, with some of the names that, that I've mentioned and you mentioned, uh, they're having immediate success. Uh, and, and some of the kids on our list, uh, as you pointed out, Cameron Champ or Sam Burns, uh, they're making two PGA Tour cuts while they're still in college. So it's it's the Tiger generation that we're seeing, and it's it's kind of fun. World Golf Hall of Fame member Richard S. Tufts penned what has come to be known as the creed of amateur, creed of the amateur, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing here, but amateur, and he said, amateurism, after all, must be the backbone of all sport, golf or otherwise. The return which amateur sport will bring to those who play it in this spirit are greater than those any money can possibly buy. What does this mean to you, the players, and everyone who covers amateur golf? Well, the, the people that are playing the amateur game, particularly those who become career amateurs, like uh, Stuart Hagestad, they're playing it for the love of, of the game. They're playing it for the intrinsic values associated with the game. And, and although Richard Tufts referred to all sport, Really, when you look uh, across the landscape of sports, there's there's only one sport that has uh, an amateur game, and and that's uh, golf. Uh, certainly, you can play tennis for an extended period of time, and you can play pick up basketball or pick up hockey, but there's nothing quite like the amateur game in sport in terms of the opportunities to play competitively for really your entire life, the opportunities to play at a high level. Uh, if, if you so choose, but also just the opportunities for people who play uh, at a private club or a daily fee course to win their club championship or to win their B flight. So amateurism in golf is really very special and quite unusual. What a 2017 in amateur golf. Just what a 2017 in general. Nuge, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. In three, two, one. And that's all the time we have left on the postcast this week and for the year. Again, thanks to everyone who listened. Sean and I really, really appreciate it. It's been a blast. Until next time, which will be in 2018, for Sean and I, hit him straight. See you later.